section twenty eight of england this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox the world's story volume nine england edited by eva march tappan section twenty eight the rescue of the princess of cornwall by charles kingsley hereward the wake or hereward the watchful headed in ten seventy a revolt against the norman rulers of the land the editor fat was the feasting and loud was the harping in the halls of aleph the cornishman king of greek savoury was the smell of fried pilchard and hake more savoury still that of roast porpoise most savoury of all that of fifty huge squab pies built up of layers of apples bacon onions and mutton and at the bottom of each a squab or young cormorant which diffused both through the pie and through the ambient air a delicate odour of mingled guano and polecat and the occasion was worthy alike of the smell and of the noise for king aleph finding that after the ogre's death the neighbouring kings were but too ready to make reprisals on him for his champions murders and robberies had made a treaty of alliance offensive and defensive with hannibal the son of grill king of marazion and had confirmed the same by bestowing on him the hand of his fair daughter whether she approved of the match or not was asked neither by king aleph nor by king hannibal to-night was the bridal feast to-morrow morning the church was to hallow the union and after that hannibal grill was to lead home his bride among a gallant company and as they ate and drank and harped and piped there came into the hall four shabbily dressed men one of them a short broad fellow with black elf locks and a red beard and sat them down sneakingly at the lowest end of all the benches in hospitable cornwall especially on such a day every guest was welcome and the stranger sat peaceably but ate nothing though there was both hake and pilchard within reach next to them by chance sat a great lurdan of a dane as honest brave and stupid a fellow as ever lugged at oar and after a while they fell talking till the strangers had heard the reason of this great feast and all the news of the countryside but whence did they come not to know it already for all cornwall was talking thereof oh they came out of devonshire seeking service down west with some merchant or rover being sea-faring men the stranger with the black hair had been meanwhile earnestly watching the princess who sat at the board's head he saw her watching him in return and with a face sad enough at last she burst into tears what should the bride weep for at such a merry wedding asked he of his companions oh cause enough and he told bluntly enough the princess's story and what is more said he the king of waterford sent a ship over last week with forty proper lads on board and two gallant holders with them to demand her but for all answer they were put into the strong house and there they lie chained to a log at this minute pity it is and shame i hold 
for i am a dane myself and pity too that such a bonny lass should go to an unkempt welshman like this instead of a tight smart viking son like the waterford lad the stranger answered nothing but kept his eyes upon the princess till she looked at him steadfastly in return she turned pale and red again but after a while she spoke there is a stranger there and what his rank may be i know not but he has been thrust down to the lowest seat in the house that used to honour strangers instead of treating them like slaves let him take this dish from my hand and eat joyfully lest when he goes home he may speak scorn of bridegroom and bride and our cornish weddings the servant brought the dish down he gave a look at the stranger's shabby dress turned up his nose and pretending to mistake put the dish into the hand of the dane hold lads quoth the stranger if i have ears that was meant for me he seized the platter with both hands and therewith the hands both of the cornishman and of the dane there was a struggle but so bitter was the stranger's grip that says the chronicler the blood burst from the nails of both his opponents he was called a savage a devil in man's shape and other dainty names but he was left to eat his squab pie in peace patience lads quoth he as he filled his mouth before i take my pleasure at this wedding i will hand my own dish round as well as any of you whereat men wondered but held their tongues and when the eating was over and the drinking began the princess rose and came round to drink the farewell health with her maids behind her and her harper before her so was the cornish custom she pledged one by one each of the guests slave as well as free while the harper played a tune she came down at last to the strangers her face was pale and her eyes red with weeping she filled a cup of wine and one of her maids offered it to the stranger he put it back courteously but firmly not from your hand said he a growl about his bad manners arose straightway and the minstrel who as often happened in those days was jester likewise made merry at his expense and advised the company to turn the wild beast out of the hall silence fools said the princess why should he know our west country ways he may take it from my hand if not from hers and she held out the cup to him herself he took it looking her steadily in the face and it seemed to the minstrel as if their hands lingered together round the cup handle and that he saw the glitter of a ring like many another of his craft before and since he was a vain meddlesome vagabond and must needs pry into a secret which certainly did not concern him so he could not leave the stranger in peace and knowing that his privileged calling protected him from that formidable fist he never passed him by without a sneer or a jest as he wandered round the table offering his heart in the cornish fashion to any one who wished to play and sing but not to you sir elflocks he that is rude to a pretty girl when she offers him wine is too great a bore to understand my trade it is a fool's trick answered the stranger at last to put off what you must do at last 
if i had but the time i would pay you for your tune with a better one than you ever heard take the harp then boar said the minstrel with a laugh and a jest the stranger took it and drew from it such music as made all heads turn toward him at once then he began to sing sometimes by himself and sometimes his comrades more gerviorum triplicitur conentis joined their voices in a three-man glee in vain the minstrel jealous for his own credit tried to snatch the harp away the stranger sang on till all hearts were softened and the princess taking the rich shawl from her shoulders threw it over those of the stranger saying that it was a gift too poor for such a scald scald roared the bridegroom now well in his cups from the head of the table ask what thou wilt short of my bride and my kingdom and it is thine give me then hannibal grills king of marazion the danes who came from ranald of waterford you shall have them pity that you have asked for nothing better than such tarry ruffians a few minutes later the minstrel bursting with jealousy and rage was whispering in hannibal's ear the hot old punic footnote hannibal still a common name in cornwall is held and not unlikely to have been introduced there by the ancient phoenician colonists End of footnote. blood flashed up in his cheeks and his thin punic lips curved into a snaky smile perhaps the old punic treachery in his heart for all that he was heard to reply was we must not disturb the good fellowship of a cornish wedding the stranger nevertheless and the princess likewise had seen that bitter smile men drank hard and long that night and when daylight came the strangers were gone in the morning the marriage ceremony was performed and then began the pageant of leading home the bride the minstrels went first harping and piping then king hannibal carrying his bride behind him on a pillion and after them a string of servants and men-at-arms leading country ponies laden with the bride's dower along with them unarmed sulky and suspicious walked the forty danes who were informed that they should go to marazion and there be shipped off for ireland now as all men know those parts of cornwall flat and open firs downs aloft are cut for many miles inland by long branches of tide river walled in by woods and rocks which rivers join at last in the great basin of falmouth harbour and by crossing one or more of these the bridal party would save many a mile on their road towards the west so they had timed the journey by the tides lest finding low water in the rivers they should have to wade to the ferry-boats waist-deep in mud and going down the deep hillside through oak and ash and hazel copse they entered as many as could a great flat-bottomed barge and were rowed across some quarter of a mile to land under a jutting crag and go up again by a similar path into the woods so the first boatload went up the minstrels in front harping and piping till the green wood rang king hannibal next with his bride and behind him spearsmen and axemen with a dane between every two when they had risen some two hundred feet and were in the heart of the forest hannibal turned and made a sign to the men behind him 
then each pair of them seized the dane between them and began to bind his hands behind his back what will you do with us send you back to ireland a king never breaks his word but pick out your right eyes first to show your master how much i care for him lucky for you that i leave you an eye apiece to find your friend the harper whom if i catch i flay alive you promised cried the princess and so did you traitress and he gripped her arm which was round his waist till she screamed so did you promise but not to me and you shall pass your bridal night in my dog kennel after my dog whip has taught you not to give rings again to wandering harpers the wretched princess shuddered for she knew too well that such an atrocity was easy and common enough she knew it well why should she not the story of the cid's daughters and the knights of carrion the far more authentic one of robert of Bellesma, and many another ugly tale of the early middle age will prove but too certainly that before the days of chivalry began neither youth beauty nor the sacred ties of matrimony could protect women from the most horrible outrages at the hands of those who should have been their protectors it was reserved for monks and inquisitors in the name of religion and the gospel to continue through after centuries those brutalities toward women of which gentlemen and knights had grown ashamed save when as in the case of the albigenza crusaders monks and inquisitors bade them torture mutilate and burn in the name of him who died on the cross but the words had hardly passed the lips of hannibal ere he reeled in the saddle and fell to the ground a javelin through his heart a strong arm caught the princess a voice which she knew bade her have no fear bind your horse to a tree for we shall want him and wait three well-armed men rushed on the nearest cornishmen and hewed them down a fourth unbound the dane and bade him catch up a weapon and fight for his life a second pair were dispatched a second dane freed ere a minute was over the cornishmen struggling up the narrow path toward the shouts above were overpowered in detail by continually increasing numbers and ere half an hour was over the whole party were freed mounted on the ponies and making their way over the downs toward the west noble noble hereward said the princess as she sat behind him on hannibal's horse i knew you from the first moment and my nurse knew you too is she here is she safe i have taken care of that she has done us too good service to be left here and be hanged i knew you in spite of your hair by your eyes yes said hereward it is not every man who carries one gray eye and one blue the more difficult for me to go mumming when i need but how came you hither of all places in the world when you sent your nurse to me last night to warn me that treason was abroad it was easy for me to ask your road to mara zion and easier too when i found that you would go home the very way we came to know that i must make my stand here or nowhere the way you came then where are you going now beyond mara zion to a little cove i cannot tell its name there lies sigtrig your betrothed and three good ships of war there why did he not come for me himself why because he knew nothing of what was toward we meant to have sailed straight up your river to your father's town 
and taken you out with a high hand we had sworn with an oath which as you saw i kept neither to eat nor drink in your house save out of your own hands but the easterly winds would not let us round the lizard so we put into that cove and there i and these two lads my nephews offered to go forward as spies while sigtrig threw up an earthwork and made a stand against the cornish we meant merely to go back to him and give him news but when i found you as good as wedded i had to do what i could while i could and i have done it you have my noble and true champion said she kissing him humph quoth hereward laughing do not tempt me by being too grateful it is hard enough to gather honey like the bees for other folks to eat what if i kept you myself now that i have got you hereward oh there is no fear pretty lady i have other things to think of than making love to you and one is how we are to get to our ships and moreover past marazion town and hard work they had to get thither the country was soon roused and up in arms and it was only by wandering a three-day circuit through bogs and moors till the ponies were utterly tired out and left behind the bulkier part of the dowry being left behind with them that they made their appearance on the shore of mount's bay hereward leading the princess in triumph upon hannibal's horse after which they all sailed away for ireland and there like young bycon prepared another wedding with all their hearts so full of glee End of section twenty eight this recording is in the public domain